Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America Wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 12.35 at Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stauffer, Brendan Escott with you in Oilers Now, where guests receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse, whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town. Every meal's an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. As we go to Brian Lawton from the NHL Network for Mattress Superstore. They bring you Brian every Wednesday here on Oilers Now. Give Mattress Superstore five minutes and they'll give you the best sleep of your life. Take the sleepology body scan and take the guesswork out of buying a mattress. Hello, Brian. How you doing? Doing great, Bob. How are you? Good. Look, I, I, I hate to do this to you, but just as an aside, I, there, a story just moved here from uh, Frank Cervelli out of the U, uh, out of, uh, well, he's with TSN, but as you know, based in Philadelphia, good guy. Uh, he's been to Edmonton a couple times and, uh, we've had some uh, memorable moments with him. Um, two million people a day are getting vaccinated right now in the United States. Uh, he's just talking Absolutely. about. Yeah, exploding it's, down here. It's yeah, going well, it's, at the same rate as Canada, right? Uh, yeah, that's not what's going. On. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, I shouldn't uh, joke about that. I don't. No, I don't mean it that way. I want to. I want to see Cam, Canada do better quickly. I yes. really, truly do. Because it's important. Right. And obviously the health implications are first and foremost. But the secondary thing, the point that Frank's making in this story is that this may have, uh, look, we, we already know what the challenges are this year, but this may have a significant impetus on what might occur from the NHL's perspective for the upcoming 21-22 season. I mean, I saw yesterday that the uh either the athletic director well let's face it he's at alabama he's more important than the president anyways but you know alabama's like the number one football program in the states they are already saying they'll have full fans in their uh stands next september when they open up against mercer and only 13 percent of that state is currently uh vaccinated but he's already said we're going full bore here next fall that's all there is to it because the amount of vaccinations that are currently taking place so you've, you this has got to be tricky for the league i mean you're right there uh you know, on the nhl network in new york city this is obviously something that gary batman um and company are uh, monitoring here Bill Daly on a day-to-day basis with how this rollout has worked in the United States and how Canada's rollout currently is, uh, let's be polite, delayed. We'll say it's delayed. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And I am kind of in the epicenter of it here. I'm actually in Secaucus, New Jersey today, but I live in Manhattan when I'm not working. The quarantine rules have been really stiff out here. And today, for the first time, somebody at my company, 
a lot of people don't know, I was in COVID protocol last week, and to say it kindly, out of uh, an abundance of caution, yeah. I was sent home for a number of days because I worked with somebody that had actually tested positive for COVID and uh, had to kind of sit on the sidelines for essentially four days before I could come back. So I, I've seen it. I've seen the effects, but uh, Johnson & Johnson is a company located out here in New Jersey, and obviously they just had huge news with their vaccine one dose doesn't need to be frozen. A lot of things going on, a lot of moving parts. I can tell you for a fact, I've been in New York City throughout a lot of this pandemic over the last three, four months. And yesterday I was in the city and it was the busiest I have seen it going all the way back really till March 13th of last year when we shut down the National Hockey League. Brian Lawton joining us. All right, Brian, let's get focused specific to hockey itself. Yeah. You're working on that NHL Network panel. You're watching games from around the league. How good are the Toronto Maple Leafs? You know what? They're an elite team. There's a lot of intrigue this year because, you know, people are skeptically saying, well, I don't know about the North Division. There's a lot of high scoring. Maybe those teams aren't as good. That's a bunch of hogwash. The North Division is just as good as the other divisions. There may be some intricacies, but the Toronto Maple Leafs specifically are in with the elite teams in the National Hockey League, and they've earned the right to be there by virtue of their scoring, which isn't as good as Edmonton's on a per-game basis, but defensively, they've been better. Fourth in the league at 2.39 goals against. They've just added a lot of new tricks. Uh, so to speak, uh, more clubs in their bag in terms of the way that they can win games. Edmonton just saw that up close and personal over the last two games. Toronto really couldn't do that in the past. But now they have the capability of outscoring your playing running gun, shutting it down, locking it down, uh, grinding you to death as they did last game to Edmonton. Um, they're, they're an impressive group. They absolutely belong in a group right now with Tampa, for me, with Vegas, with Colorado, with Boston. We could add another team or two, maybe. But Toronto fits in that group. I'm not saying they're the best team in the NHL, but they've got a really impressive team. Everything that they have done really has worked out magically for them. Uh, their depth guys this year are playing much better. Zach Hyman's been terrific in a bottom six role. Mahayev as well. Adding guys like Thornton and Spezza and getting them to buy in to maybe lesser roles, certainly Jason Spezza, that's been huge. Wayne Simmons was huge. They found some goaltenders that can come in and win some games for them. That's changed from last year. They couldn't buy a win by any of their backups. Well, this year they're 6-1 and one with nearly a 950 save percentage. So a lot of things going right for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They deserve the accolades they're starting to get now. Last year, just for a little more clarity, their backups were 7, 12, and 2 with an 8, 9 save percentage. So they did a lot of things right in the offseason and are having great success because of it. We're joined by Brian Lott and Bob Stoffer on Oilers Now. Brian, from an Oilers-centric perspective, speaking of centers, for the first time this season, it appears as though Leon Dreisaitl will center Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Kyrie Yamamoto now. Basically, Yamamoto got put on that line, and I know there were some shifts in the final couple games before the pandemic hit where they didn't necessarily play together, but RNH, Dreisaitl, Yamamoto, the Oilers were 16-6-4. and 
That's a pretty good mark. Uh, just a quick thought on sort of Dave Tippett's uh, finally going to that line, and whether or not you think yes, Apoliarvi played a factor in uh, going and going that way, uh, just giving him some different options. Uh, I absolutely think he's given them some different options, and it's been a real pleasant surprise for Edmonton. Um, I'm a little surprised it's taken maybe this long for us to see that combination together again. Uh, I'm not quite sure why that is. I do talk to Dave Tippett fairly regularly. It's not a question that I really have uh, ever asked him or jumped into, to be honest. But, um, you know, Yamamoto's game dropped a little bit for me. Um, Leon has had some games where he hasn't looked as engaged. Uh, I, I think this is a positive change. It's just like any other season. You got to try to keep things fresh. You got to keep the players engaged. It's always a challenge. It's more of a challenge this year because you got so many guys to try to keep engaged with the taxi squad and the way teams are running this year. But uh, I think this is a positive move for Edmonton. Um, they need something to kind of give them a little bit of spark. I don't think in the end that. Um, this is a bad move. I just think that the Oilers have more depth, and uh, this is something that seems logical. And I would expect them to have a little bit more success tonight with it than certainly they've had in the last couple of games. Well, here's what I'd throw at you, right? Like last year when they went to that line, when they went to Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto, the team kind of took off uh, with Drysaddle on that line. But it meant that Connor McDavid was playing with the Oilers' third and fourth best uh, wingers because the two best wingers were on Dreisaitl's line. So the Oilers looked for a little bit more balance come playoff time. I think Pugliarvi, I'm going to be honest with you, for me, Pugliarvi over the last 12 games has outplayed Ryan Nugent Hopkins at even strength. And all anybody needs to go is look at points per 60, uh, even strength scoring, and you'd be surprised where R&H is at right now because he, he does have some points on the power play. The Oilers have a decent power play. So I don't mind this because I think Pugliarvi's provided, and I also think, frankly, uh, and you might know a little about this because you played with some pretty good players during your career. I think the tempo and pace that Dreisaitl and Yamamoto play at in that short cycle game that they play, I think that works better for Ryan Nugent Hopkins than maybe the, the tempo and pace uh, he's you know you play with when you're playing with Connor McDavid. I, I don't know. I could be wrong on that, but I'd just like to get your thoughts on that. No, I, I agree with that. Ryan is you know the most cerebral of all the wingers that, you know, you're identifying here as possible candidates. So I do agree with that. Um, I do think at times it's hard maybe for him to keep up with the pace that Connor plays at. It's not that he's not a good skater, but Connor's an elite skater. And Ryan, as I said, is more cerebral. He's very well suited for a half-court game. Uh, he's got a brilliant mind. That's his strength. He's shown everybody uh, that over the last three, four, five years, he's really worked on his shot, be able to, been able to add that to his bag of tricks, score from a little bit more distance. Um, I just I don't see any downside in this right now for the Edmonton Oilers, and uh, I think it's going to be a good move. I'd be shocked if uh, you don't see some good chemistry between 29 Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto. All right, uh, Evan Bouchard. We've talked a lot about Evan on the show. Uh, the Oilers' first two goals against Bouchard and Bear were the pairing. Uh, Bouchard lost his stick. He clattered into Leon Dreisaitl, and then Morgan Riley opened up a little bit of space on the play for an easy goal for Hyman. The second one, uh, there were about four mistakes on that goal. 
that uh, William Nylander uh, scored. To begin with, uh, Dominic Kahuna, who I don't think is playing tonight, didn't get a piece of Nylander off the draw. You got to, you know, have a little bit of a rubber, something there, so he just doesn't hop in there and get to the loose puck. Bear got caught flat-footed. Evan Bouchard went to angle. Um, William Nylander off, and then Nylander scored on a backhand Heidel glove side, which I'm sorry, but that should not that is that should not happen. And if if you're a legit top, you know, a, a good NHL goalie, I, I don't know about you, you. I know you saw the play. Uh, my concern was as soon as that goal was scored, it was going to mean that Evan Bouchard was going to be out for the next game, and I want to see Bouchard play. So first of all, your thoughts on uh, the sequence on that goal? Was that on the goalie or was that on Bouchard? Was that on the defense bearing? And then secondly, it appears based on today's uh, who took this, who took sort of the optional, the, the guys that aren't playing this morning, the Bouchard's out. Your thoughts on that as well? Uh, personally, I don't like it. Uh, I just think that Evan's a guy that when you're playing a skilled team like Toronto skating team, that can really help you. Um, you know, it's almost like you and I have talked about this. You, this year, more than ever, you almost have to engineer your lineup on a nightly basis for who you're playing against. So I, I would have thought that uh, Evan would be in. I also have strong thoughts about developing players on the fly as they're in that last stage of development before they become an NHL regular player. But, uh, you know, that's it, it, it's Dave Tippett's call ultimately, but it's also Jim Playfair's. He's working with the D closely. He's got a feel for the personalities, uh, for what things they need to bring on a nightly basis. And it just appears to me that he's probably not quite uh, sold on where Evan Bouchard is at yet. Um, The only thing I would do is encourage him to remember you can hit a higher ceiling with these young players when you get them developing at this level. And uh, for me, that's what's in the best interest of the team, but uh, it's hard to override it. We're, you know, we're commenting as media folks right. here. I understand what it's like to be down there. Um, but Evan Bouchard, to me, is uh, not the guy that I would certainly blame on that last goal. There are a number of things that went well. I'm talking about the backhand goal by Nylander. There are a number of things that went wrong on that play. Uh, sometimes when you get a thought in your mind, it's easy to come back to the same player. And as a coach, you always got to kind of guard against that with your staff as well. Did that happen here? I'm not saying it did. I'm just saying I could never watch that goal and say, oh, my goodness, Evan Bouchard really dropped the ball there. He should have been able to stop Nylander from driving up the middle. That's not the way I saw it all. It's just one of those things that happens. Uh, It happens a lot in the NHL. Other players are good. Um, but it was a combination of errors in my fault, in my opinion, not Evan Bouchard's fault. And at the end of the day, the Oilers needed a stop there. I mean, they were out shooting Toronto 7-1 at that stage and down one nothing. They needed Costin to come up with a save. Yeah, and, and that's you know that's why I say it was a combination of errors. Yeah. It was not one player that caused that goal. All right, we had Tony Granato on. I know you think highly of Tony and his program, and you uh, were briefly, I think, with Tony with the Rangers for a while. Uh, and just uh, uh, back back to Dylan Holloway, he was, a, you know, he sort of talked, well, whether or not he's ready is coming out this year or coming out as a junior. I mean, there hasn't had a player that's averaged this many points per game in the NCAA since Johnny Goodrow and Jack Eichel. Uh, so I think that bodes well. In your mind, is there any hesitation at all that Holloway's uh, not not only ready to come out of NCAA, but also come out and be able to contribute for the Oilers potentially in a, uh, say, a, a third-line left-wing role at minimum? 
I definitely believe he can contribute to the Oilers and, and do it still this year. Uh, in terms of him coming out, that's a personal decision. Right. All these guys are going to rely heavily on their coaches. Tony Granato's got a great balance. There are some coaches, you know, Red Berenson was the classic, you know, because he used to tell me all the time when I was an agent, when they're ready, Brian, I'll drive them to the airport. I don't care what year they're in. Of course, he never drove anybody to the airport or told anybody they should leave before all four years. That was part of Red's beauty <laughs> in running that program. Um, Tony Granato was not that way. Uh, having been a pro player and a head coach in the NHL, he understands where kids are at. That's part of his strength. He's very transparent with them. Uh, ultimately, it'll come down to Dylan. As we saw last year, Turcotte was in the program last year in Wisconsin. He left, went to L.A. He's playing in the minors this year. Caulfield also another first-round pick, same draft a little bit later. He stayed. Uh, you're not going to really get any self-serving bias from Tony Grotto, and that's what I like about him. I think it'll be up to Dylan in the end if he wants to come out and turn pro. I think he's certainly uh, taken a huge step forward, and he could contribute. And uh, my feeling is that he most likely will leave. I am very good friends with Tony Grotto and Marco Siki, who are the coaches there. Uh, I just don't think those guys would uh, – they'll, they'll leave it up to the player to decide. All right, one final one for you. Uh, you played with Tony and Guy Lafleur with the Rangers, and then uh, was it you who followed Lafleur to Quebec, or Lafleur who followed you? What was Guy Lafleur, as you know, Brian? He's my favorite player uh, of that, uh, you know, sort of the pre-Oilers era. What was it like? What was it like with Guy? Guy was thirty-seven and thirty-eight at that time. Of course, he'd been out of hockey for three years. Did you catch yourself marveling at what the guy could still do? Oh, I had so many funny Guy Lafleur stories. It was incredible. I loved playing with him. The only time I ever truly, really wanted to fight somebody, and I don't know why I had this thought in my mind, and that's somebody that I was in a confrontation with, was Marty McSorley, because he was picking on Guy Lafleur one night, and he got a penalty for doing it. He really tried to hurt Guy which, you know, Marty and I are good friends, so I laugh about this with him. But I skated by the penalty box after he got a penalty box, and I just lit into him like you wouldn't believe. And I went back to the Ranger bench, and I sat down, and Marty was standing up in Madison Square Garden rattling the entire boards. The glass was rattling all the way down, and all the players looked at me and said, my gosh, Lutz, what did you say to him? I said, I let him know what I think. I can't believe he's taking a run at Guy Lafleur. Guy's not even wearing full equipment out here, for heaven's sakes. How could this happen? And all the guys were just absolutely laughing. And Marty, of course, chased me around the rest of the game. Thankfully, I didn't get my opportunity to fight him because I really didn't want one. But uh, Guy Lafleur was just a treat to play with. He was an absolute gentleman. I saw his greatness a number of times, even at that age, where he scored goals on slap shots from literally the blue line. I played on the line with him and Brian Mullen occasionally, and uh, he just had this incredible ability to shoot pucks past goaltenders from distance in that era. Never seen anything like it. I just Every time he did it, I would be coming down the left side looking for the puck off the glass or wide, and it was always in the back of the net, and I just could not figure it out. So a, an absolute treat of a man had me to his sugar shack in Quebec one time for a, a fiesta, 
he was just a real affable, great teammate, great human being, and, and truly a legend. Uh, hey, where was Rudy Postcheck and Chris Nyland there? Were they not bailing? Bail, I mean, because I, I will tell you, you, you had a you had a guy on that team. Yeah, yeah. Postcheck could trade him. He would he would stand back and chuck him. But you had I don't know if the, he was uh, on the team at that time because I know he got moved to L.A. during the year. But Dean Kennedy was a very underrated fighter. He was a really strong guy. He remember how Darren Langdon was a little bit later on with the Rangers? Like Dean Kennedy did pretty uh, uh, Dean, Dean was very tough. Dean broke a good friend of mine's nose, uh um Scotty Bukestad and a gal that came in LA. <laughs> So those those were the good old days where you were in a hurry to get out of some games when they were out of hand. I happened to get in a fight with with the other tough guy in L.A., Bernie Nichols. So I headed to the shower early, and and I remember Scott Buke said, literally said, I'm going to fight the next guy. He jumped out there. It was Dean Kennedy, and he almost got Dean, but unfortunately he didn't knock him down or out, and Dean came back and broke his nose. So we were all fully aware of how tough Dean Kennedy was. He could chuck him. Awesome stuff, as always. Uh, appreciate your time, Brian, and we'll catch up next week, okay? My pleasure. Thank you very much. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yvette, that is Brian Lawton from the NHL Network. Brandon, uh, let's take a 90-second break right now. Come back with more on Oilers now. Hi, this is Jajar Kara from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. 57 in Edmonton. Let's go to the Oilers Now Injury Report, brought to you daily by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, the gang at James H. Brown want you to stay safe and stay positive. And a reminder that uh, for every goalie Oilers score this season, James H. Brown will donate $100 to 630 Chad's Santa's Anonymous. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Back at the 630 Chad Studios, Brendan Escott. All right, well, not too much doing around the league. Can tell you, uh, Dominic Cahoon, uh, game time decision ahead of tonight. Uh, William Laguson remaining on the IR with a wrist. Cassian and Cuckoo, of course, on the long-term injured reserve. Alex Stalock working out of uh, clearing league COVID protocols before he joins the taxi squad. Sounds like Freddie Anderson will be back between the pipes for Toronto. He had a lower body injury holding him out a couple games. Austin Matthews also back from a nagging wrist problem. We know Wayne Simmons broke his wrist back on February 8th. He'll be out another couple weeks. Uh, yeah, that is it from around the league. Alright, there you have it. It is 12.58 in Edmonton. David Staple coming up uh, the call to hockey and of course he's also post media's man on covid we'll get his thoughts on the frank cervelli story that's just moved from tsn uh perhaps suggesting that there could be some challenges uh at the start of the 2021-22 season because of canada's slower covid rollout uh vaccination rollout uh so david staples coming up in the second hour along with john shannon off to a global news weather traffic update with eileen bell Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.